Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Wine from On the Vine to the Road Tasted. I'm Brian, and seeing to my left is... Jasmine. Jasmine. Hello, Jasmine. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Brian? I'm having a good old time. <laughs> I'm having fun. We're going to be having a better time here in a minute, because we're going to be talking about one of my favorite wines, as mm. well as you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why I'm so excited, because this, this is my is my favorite wine when you introduced me to a petite Syrahs this is the first one I picked out for it's you. either the first or the second one yeah. and I think it's the second because um, we tried another another one from this uh, winemaker called Paso Ranches and I liked it so much that I wanted the petite Syrah you know from them Oh, you're talking and, about the bourbon barrels then? Yeah, the bourbon barrel that I don't like anymore. Mm-hmm. Or that, I shouldn't say that. It's not that I don't like it. It's not as good as it's it used to be. It's not your favorite anymore. No, it's not. It's not. Maybe my palate changed or um, there was a change of hands when it comes to the owners of the uh, of the company. I think they made a change to that one because it's one of the least expensive wines that they have. So they might have made some changes to it, and I, and I don't like it as much. So it's a wonderful uh, company, but I just um, I prefer something else now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, the petite so. Syrah is going to be quite something that we're going to talk about. So. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. But other than that, what's you want to talk going... about what's going on in the desert lately? Uh, well, I mean, we're still hot. It's November. It's 96 degrees. And, um, but we're supposed to cool down by the end of this week. We're supposed to drop down to the, to the, I think the mid sixties is going to be our high and our low forties are going to be the lows, which for the desert, you know, to make that change in one day, which means we're going to have high winds, trees are going to fall over everywhere, you know, which is, is good for me because I, you know, it gives me business. Mm -hmm. Just, it's just sad. It's going to happen, but. That's, that's the way this works here in the valley, and, and we just got to be prepared for it. But usually, we're cooler earlier. So, But usually when we have a warmer season that goes into the Novembers, it means we're going to have, it's going to be a short winter, but we're going to have some intense frost. That's what usually happens. You have that um, with an intense ying, you have an intense yang, you know, out here. So... You're going to have your your hot summer, and then you're going to have your super cold winter, but it's not going to be as long. Every year is different here. The seasons yeah. are never the same time frame, so yeah. we just deal with what comes and goes. Yeah. Well, I remember looking at the history in Palm Springs in, like, 1925 <clears throat> in January, it was, like, 102 so I mean, it, mm-hmm. this 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 valley can go anywhere at once. And I, I remember a couple times in April when we were 120 something. We were it was yeah. it was um, it's it's so you know this valley goes everywhere. It does, and of course everyone's focused on global warming and everything when it comes to this. But I mean this this valley here, we're just we're, we always see the temperature changes. I don't think. I mean, a global warming is going to change our humidity, but as far as our, our overall uh, temperatures, I think there's not much of a huge change when it comes to temperatures, but the humidity uh, definitely is harder than it has been when I was younger out here. I don't know. Other than that, I've been watching a lot of uh, uh, cat and, and dog 
videos on YouTube. <laughs> I should do a couple. <laughs> and I've been watching a lot of shark shows. Uh, yeah, shark shows. Yeah, we watch shark shows and creature. yeah, that's fun. We're, we're in the middle of Shark Week of 2019. <laughs> Actually, we sleep through a majority of it, but but it's yeah, it's 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 fun to that's learn about the ocean. Yeah, it's fun learning about that stuff and and uh, work has increased for me by a hundredfold and so things are things are a little bit better financially but i'm busy as heck so that's just the way so life we goes. apologize for not getting <clears throat> to our uh, podcast <laughs> as frequently weeks. as we <laughs> yeah. were supposed to so we are going to get back into the swing of things hopefully or, yeah we keep saying that don't and we? we're doing it with our favorite bottle yeah we are i'm like we're gonna Trude do this Hearst. we're gonna do yeah true 2017 petite Syrah burning man <clears throat> burning man this is from the Sonoma Valley. Sonoma County. Dry Sonoma Creek County. Valley. The Dry Creek Valley ABA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so um, why don't you talk about a few things that you're going to share with us tonight? Well, the Dry Creek Valley ABA, or the Dry Creek Valley, is a, a valley that runs into, that runs south um, into the Russian River. And it's two miles wide, 16 miles long. And um, during Prohibition, so I'm sorry, the vines were brought out here around the 1880s, 1870s, 1880s. The vines were brought out here that we're going to talk about. I'm going to have a Jasmine go into that a little bit more. But uh, during Prohibition, they had a, a lot of um, the vines that they had out here. They had, and, and the Dry Creek AVA. They had to turn over to growing uh, plums and um, and other types of fruit. And then after Prohibition, it became another, you know, a big area of, of viticulture. So the, the grape we're talking about today is a Petite Syrah. <clears throat> the Petite Syrah is a grape uh, developed in the 1880s by uh, Durif, is his name? Francois Durif. Francois Durif, yeah, he was a botanist. So what he did is he hybridized two different grapes. And, and which grapes were those? Um, he hybrid, uh, hybridized um, Syrah and Perlorsen. Uh, yeah, the Perlorsen grape. Sorry, you sent me a picture of that grape too. Mm -hmm. And so the clusters on the Perlorsen is 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 a lot it's just there's there's a ton of grapes on on one stem mm -hmm. and so that's the good attribute of the plorison so when you hybridize what you try to do is you try to get the two best qualities out of those two grapes so you got the syrah grape which is uh isn't that a, a smaller grape right but thick skins it's, or something like that. The petite Syrah is smaller in size compared to the Syrah. Yeah. So but the Syrah is a yeah. thicker skin. So yeah, they hybridized by taking the pollen from one and then um, pollinating the 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 stamen on the flower of another until they got uh, a good cross that they liked. And then, in order to get a good hybrid, you have to. Uh, continuously cut over and over and over again until you find the best grape. And this can take years. So um, you hybridize by cross-pollinating and then you get the you get the grapes you want. You take the a cutting, 
you graft the cutting onto a strong root and then off of that plant that you created you wait for it to grow and then you get the best grape off of that one you cut that one and you graft that one until you get the most intense a grape that you can get and that's what this guy did that's what this botanist did until he got the petite syrah or, or, or the duraf grape and it was called a duraf out in France and then when they isn't that right yeah, because it was named after him. Yeah, it was named after him. Then when they brought it out here, it was brought over here by a viticulturist. And I don't remember his name. It was a Jeff something. I believe it was Jeff, G-E-O-F. Brought over here by him. When it brought over here to California, um, it was changed to Petite Syrah so that there would be no uh, confusion. Mm-hmm. So uh, when that was brought over, and then it was also taken to Australia and Israel is where it's best known for because it prefers the drier climates. The petite Syrahs prefer the drier climates um, because they can rot really easy in, 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 the heavy, in the heavy rains, easier than the other grapes. A good quality of the petite Syrah is that the most well-known fungi, or um, not well-known, I don't want to say well-known, the most common. The most common fungi is uh, a powdery mildew that destroys crops. And the petite Syrah is less susceptible for getting powdery mildew than a lot of the other grape varietals. So that's one of the good things about this. And, and that's it's one of the fungi that take out a lot of uh, crops, especially out in uh, France. So that's... That's that's something that's good about the petite straw is that, and then of course uh, the grape is just, it's a good grape if you know how to grow it well. Yeah. <laughs> if you know how to, if a good enologist or is that right, e- enologist? Um, yeah, an enologist, and then of course the vintner taking that grape and then producing that that wine from that particular <clears throat> varietal. So, what were I'm sorry, go ahead and finish. I was going to say sure. something when you're done. Okay. The Petite Syrah is normally used as a blended grape because it tends to tone down grapes or wines that have a a jamminess. And so it tends to tone that down because of its high acidity and its high tannins. Um, So you don't get that, um, that, uh, uh, the beginning of a texture. So it tends to tone that. Uh, down when it comes to the Petite Syrah. And then um, the Petite Syrah also is probably one of the least grown grapes in the world with less than 10,000 acres planted worldwide. So the amount of vines that is Petite Syrah is very limited. And it's, it's very well sought after also. So that's why when you get a Petite Syrah, you're looking at a, a higher a price on some of these, not all of them, but like the one from the Dry Creek, is that right? Dry Creek yeah, Valley. Yeah, the, the Dry Creek Valley, you're paying, you know, between 25 and $40 a bottle. When you get over to um, other areas of Sonoma County, you're paying a little bit less. And then Napa Valley... The price is higher because it's not a grown as much out there. So they they um, yeah you're you're straight a petite 
your straight a petite Syrahs uh, vary in, in price depending on location. Weren't you going to talk also about the temperature that we uh, chilled ours at the other night? Oh, yeah. So you're going to talk about the differences in chilling and not chilling this particular grape varietal. Yeah. So if you don't mind acids and uh, tannins and you don't mind that little bit of, I don't want to say bitterness at the end, but I mean, I enjoy it. I, I, I like the, the heavy flavors. And I like a little bit of acidity at the end. But if you want to reduce your acidity, and uh, if if you want to taste and smell more of the floral and the mineral notes, then you want to chill that down to 65 before you serve it. And uh, you tend to get that the, uh, the better aromas and a more minerality out of the taste. And so that'll help tone it down, especially if you have people who don't like... Uh, a strong spicy wine because this is this is a wine that has a peppercorn taste and it it has uh, intense floral notes. So for those who are uh, who like your your rosés, something sweet, uh, this is probably not for them. And if they are there in your crowd, then chill it down to sixty-five, and it'll make it more towards their uh, palate. So that's what I have to say about <laughs> about a petite Syrah. Other than that, the um, the Burning Man Petite Syrah is my is my f is my favorite. It's I guess it's one of my favorites, I guess. But That's yeah, I, I really enjoy it. I, re I really enjoy it. I don't mind paying the thirty five dollars, you know, and and uh, <clears throat> so you're supposed to um, we normally pair this with uh, with steak, or we pair it with uh, you can pair it with a lamb. But what we did is we paired this the other night with chicken soup, but we we peppered it heavily, mm -hmm. and um, we like things that are a little strong on the taste. So it it paired up perfectly. You don't want to pair this with something that's sweet. It, it'll 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 ruin the flavor it will so you want to stay away from your sweets um, stick with your your uh, pepper steaks uh, anything that anything that uh, is um, more towards your rustic western type foods um, will go well with this at least that's how I feel about it uh, other people feel one way but that's that's how I feel about that and how about you? <laughs> <laughs> well, this 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 particular company uh, has a lot of meaning to me. I want to talk just about the Churthurst wine because um, you went over the details of like the actual grapes and the terroir. So um, I'm I actually got the privilege of becoming friends with Jeff Hurst, which is one of the brothers uh, to this company, and I met him about four years ago, and he was at the time the ambassador to the Hurst winery and he's he is it was really neat to to meet him because it was the first time I was meeting somebody who was from a family winery who built this winery with um an opportunity to to see the the end result of the heart and soul of of Basically, what this show's all about, wine from on the vine to the road tasted. 
I got to see that and meet that up in person and, and with Jeff Hurst and um, he's been my friend ever since. So I I get to see him every now and then. He lives um, in a different state for me, but uh, we stay connected. He's uh, he was one of the people that inspired me to to keep learning, to keep growing, and my passion for um, my 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 goals in the wine industry. And he also, uh, on the other side, would tell me. Um, the things that he was impressed by me being in the industry and not being where I wanted to be, but what I displayed, um, at such a, at such a younger time, I guess, in my age and, and where I was in the wine industry. So even to this day, I, I get a lot of, uh, basically advice, French friendly advice, but also professional advice. And, and it's been a real pleasure uh, knowing him. So I just want to say thank you, um, because I'm sure he's going to be uh, listening to this at some point and thanks so much, Jeff, um, for all the things that you've taught me uh, in this short time that I've known you. And when he, um, would meet up with me and we would talk about his wines, he would, he has a, a lot of knowledge. He has a lot of knowledge about um, the wine behind whatever they make, they make a sparkling, they make, they make all kinds of wines that I've never been tasted because unfortunately I haven't been to their winery, but Brian and I will put that on our list as soon as we can get going with, uh, with the art wine travels. But right now with COVID, it's a little difficult, but we'll do what we can in the near future. And this is definitely the one spot that I want to hit first. And um, go see their 26 acres that they have um, in the heartland of the Dry Creek Valley. And what I appreciate too is that I've been studying about biodynamic farming and dry farming and their winery is a biodynamic winery and um, also learning about the hillsides and growing grapes on hillsides, their vineyards are produce, they're producing the best fruits out of this area because their grapes are grown on hillside land and planted there. So the end result is this gorgeous, uh, Petit Syrah, which they also grow Zinfandels there too as well, but it's a reflection of this amazing terroir of the Dry Creek Valley and producing an unforgettable wine like this Petit Syrah Burning Man. And I guess they name their wines from what Jeff told me. They all have names, like um, this one's called Burning Man. And there's the Fugitive, the One-Armed Man. So they all denote something that people relate to through movies, or the Burning Man apparently has to do with something up north. I forget what he told me, but... Uh, I got to ask him later about it, but something that happens, uh, I think he said it's repetitive yearly. Mm -hmm. Um, but I got to verify that. Yeah. It's imitation only. It's out in the middle of the desert Mm. and they usually set up a a pyre and they light it. And Mm -hmm. that's why they call it the burning man is because I think the very first year they did it, they had a structure of what resembled a person. I don't think it resembled anybody in specific, mm-hmm. but yeah, I remember watching a Leonard Nimoy, um, a documentary on his life done by his son and he was invited to the burning man. I think it's imitation only. Yeah. 
is I think how that works. So yeah, but it is out in the middle of the desert. Do you know what year they started that? I have no idea. Hmm. I, I wish I knew, but I I, I don't know. But yeah, it it, it is a. Um, I think it was before my time. Yeah. No, it's still well. Yeah, it might have been. It might have been. I never I'm, heard of it before. I'm honestly until, not sure. Yeah. Until I uh, talked to him about it. But. Yeah. Yeah. Another uh, another thing that I is usually a honed skill from the vintner's talent is the decision to make a use of American oak, French oak, there's Slovenian oak, Hungarian oak, and the fermentation of the wine. And in this particular grape varietal, the Truthurst family used a combination of French and American oak barrels. And they they use the American oak to draw out more of a creamy texture to produce more tones of chocolate and coconut oil, which make it a more sweeter taste. And um, in reality, too, the American oak barrel is a much denser oak uh, combined with a lighter oak of the French oak. The French oak is, is more silkier in texture and it denotes more spices and um, it has a, a total opposite effect. So the two combined create a, a balance of just intense flavor and that's what this wine is. It's a The style is very intense. It has the fusion of the two species of the um, oak barrel or the oak trees and they just together work so beautifully uh, in this crafting of this this wine. Uh, another point I'd like to bring out about the Truthurst Winery is they plant uh, heritage clones of this Zinfandel and Petite Syrah, and that has significance to this area of the Dry, Dry Creek Valley. Um, it's been one of the award-winning wineries uh, in this area as well. They've been rated by, in the past, by Robert Parker, uh, Robert Parker Jr. Um, there's there's many others that have rated their, their wine. And I think you brought out earlier, Brian, that their two best years for this particular wine was 2015 and 2017. And we just yeah. had the 2017. Yeah, 2017. Uh, we actually have had this bottle a few times this past year. Yeah. It just... It's amazing every t- single time we drink it. Yeah, it's really good. Mm-hmm. It really is. It and, never disappoints. And and this is sold as an old world, right? An an old wine. Um, old it's world? an old vine. Old not, vine, not, not old, old world wine. Okay, yeah. all right. Old vine. So it's uh, it has a, an old vine is like thirty five years plus. Okay. There's old vines, ancient vines, and so just like you would see on a Zinfandel bottle old vines in or ancient vine it can apply to also petite syrah mm-hmm. so you're talking about more length of time um on the the that the vine has been uh there before it produces mm-hmm. they have to wait for it to be a certain time and then it produces the grape yeah the winemaker um i was she's still with the Truthurst family uh winery um, at the time when I spoke to Jeff about this wine, it was Ginny Limbrick who was the vintner. And we learned that Jessica Yeats, you said, was the enologist. Yeah, so, she's the enologist, yeah. 
sewed together they they've worked together to craft this 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 one she is now i don't know who was you know all just at the time because they've done a lot of uh, changes in their top people but Mm -hmm. as far as right now i'm i'm hoping that she was the enologist at the time. That's that's what they're showing. But um, I think, yeah, Jane Limbrick, um, she did a real good job. Or he. Is it he? A she. It's a, it's yeah. a woman? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 She did a good job. She really did. The, the, I, and what's amazing about uh, the Truett and Hearst family, too, is that they, I mean, they, they don't... Um, make a safe wine you know they make a wine that you know some people Adventurous. are gonna like it mm-hmm. some people aren't you know yeah. it's it's not this um like a majority of the rosés that i taste they're they're safe mm-hmm. you know they're a safe wine they're similar to one another yeah There's some some that stand out i bought some at circle k that didn't do that but, but it's mm-hmm. <laughs> never do that again but but it's uh i, I shouldn't say that some oh, people like one it o'clock in the yeah one o'clock in the morning no nothing open. was always open yeah and our friends wanted more wine mm-hmm. but uh yeah but it was just uh but you know they they make a very um uh specific type of wine that is again it's not safe it, they 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 are adventurous with their wines and that's something that I like about this uh, company is, is um, they they don't make it for everybody. They make it for specific people who have a specific type of a palate. So that's what that's what I like about it. They do. It's yum yums. <clears throat> um, I was gonna expound a little bit more on the 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 fact that it's a biodynamic company too. And then I, I think I talked about a little bit that it's a dry farming, which you can also uh, say that it's a dryland farming. And this means that it's a region of limited moisture that has no irrigation. So these areas typically receive only 20 inches of annual rainfall. So the moisture uh, is controlled during the crop growing season and consists largely of making sure they stay on top of the destruction of weeds and prevention of runoff. So it's a big factor in this dry farming um, or dryland farming. And the biodynamic wine um, factor means that the fruits um, growing uh, that they grow, the fruits that they grow are produced without um, GMOs or chemicals of any kind. So I'm, I'm all for that because I'm very much a a naturalist when it comes to food and medicines. And I've been like that since I was little. So it's a, it's a huge deal to me. And as I get more, um, experienced in my knowledge of wine, I am learning that one day when I become my own vintner, which is one of my goals, I probably will go in the direction of biodynamic farming, dry farming, um, because I, I've learned the difference in not just tasting, but the, the reasons behind it. And just the fact that it affects everything around you in, in the ecosystem. And I really appreciate that about this winery that they, they care about that. And it affects all the plant life, soil and livestock and, and everything in that 
the the area. So those principles um, add vitality instead of taking it away. So I I think that's a huge important factor in in making wine and not destroying what the soil is giving you and appreciating the the area that you're um, that you're utilizing and getting the most out of it. Um, another thing I think we didn't touch on was the fact that Dry Creek Valley became a AVA or American Viticultural Area in 1983 because we talked about how the the Duraf by Francois Duraf brought over the uh, well you said it was somebody else who brought over the yes. Petit Syrah to yeah. America but then that was in the 1880s and at that time there the this area was home to nine wineries which were only totaling around 900 acres of vines that were planted. But the reason why this area was so, um, so sought after or noticed by the settlers was because for its fertile landscape. So that was, that was the big eye catcher, the big reason why, um, this, the dry Creek Valley became, very um important it was actually during the time of the gold rush that americans or, or settlers settled in the area and and it was it was in 1849 when dry creek valley was actually first settled by the first americans and it was again during the gold rush so the fertile soil the fertile land was the the thing that the big idea that drawed them in. I th and I think you brought out already the fact that the total vineyards today are only 9,000. So there's only 70 wineries in this area and the fruit is exceptional. And the majority of the wineries are family owned. So that's, that's just awesome. They're not some big massive corporation producing, pumping out a million bottles, but, they're from families who have worked hard and appreciating the different uh, factors of the climate, the land, the history of the area in which they're growing their grapevines. So that's, that's all highlighted in this Dry Creek Valley of Sonoma. And um, another thing too that I like to bring out is that the wine production is all about flavor and, and the winemakers is thinking when they, when they have a great varietal and they're, they're, they're thinking about the end result, they have to decide what kind of result is going to produce from the decisions they make beforehand. So flavor is, is the most important thing. And winemakers will use, again, going back to the oak barreling, a French oak to bring out a more elegant profile with um, nuances of chocolate. Uh, it could be coffee. It could be sweet tobacco. There's, there's so many things that um, the French oak can bring out. If you look at the cost difference too, it's interesting to study that a French oak barrel can typically cost $1,000 for a French oak barrel. An American oak barrel can cost anywhere from 360 to $500 a barrel, depending on the quality. So 
the reason why uh, the oak tree is so important it's it's a major factor in winemaking and you you if you study oak trees a little bit to understand what this is one of the major tools used in winemaking oak trees live a long time and the result is that that time frame correlates directly to the flavors that it contains that that the oak barrel gives that wine while the wine's sitting in there fermenting so Oak barreling is all about the flavors that they will impart. And so we have the Truitthurst Burning Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because Jenny Limbricks did such an awesome job. Yeah, she did. She did a really good job. I hope to meet her one day, too. So. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's amazing what they can do with, with, with wines, especially now these days, because... Um, the Petite Syrah was not found as a as a, a good grape in France, and they frowned upon it for a while. So the fact they brought it out here to the drier areas, Australia and Israel, which I, I'm looking for an Israel wine right now that has a Petite Syrah in it, but a lot of that comes from there is a Cabernet Sauvignon. Is and what Merlot. I, and the Merlot. Um, but I still want to find one from there, from Israel, and then... Also, I want to delve into our Australian wines eventually. eventually. Yeah, we're going to cover <clears throat> lots of different locations. Yeah. Yeah, but this is, again, this is, so far this is my f- my favorite, is is The Burning Man by Truett Hurst. Um, <clears throat> but, I mean, other than, I, I have, I don't know, I had a client who asked me the other day what my favorite wine was. And I had a hard time. I had a hard time because I was like, well, I like the Burning Man from here. And then I like the Vouvray's. And, yeah. Well, you've and, had a lot of wine in yeah. the last few years. <laughs> you, have, and, it's, you have a, a lot of favorites. I think it just depends sometimes what mood you're in. Yeah. You know, you might be inspired or moved to drink a certain wine that reminds you of something because you're in the mood for that tasting wine. It, mm-hmm. You know, it's just wine is about in the moment you know what you're feeling mm-hmm. what you want to taste and yeah. what you're searching for and so it just depends you have all these different you know factoids and and flavors going on in your head about the different wines you like but mm-hmm. it's whatever pops out at you at the moment of what is intriguing to you at that, that time yeah so. Yeah. So your favorite could be this one day and then the next day you're like, oh, my favorite is this, you know, because mm-hmm. it just depends on what your, what your palate wants and what yeah. your, you know, what your, uh, I mean, what you're going to eat sometimes, which, what occasion you're going to have the wine with, no occasion, some occasion. I mean, we were, we were watching something about bourbon today and, yeah. and bourbon, the bourbon industry was bringing out how the craft you know it's all about time and 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 being patient Mm -hmm. because you can't just make bourbon and sell it the next day it it needs time to age and to become what we know as bourbon and so the same with wine you're going to be you know appreciating what you have when you you experience your wine with whatever you know, whatever this particular wine does for you, it's going to highlight whatever you're feeling at the moment and you're going to appreciate it in that moment. So mm-hmm. we can have lots of favorites. Yeah. That, the, the, the wine, for, the wine for me, I, I don't know. It's, it gets, 
I think it helps me get into maybe a a frisky mood, Mm -hmm. you know, because it is, it's, it's, it's uh, exciting. Yeah, it is. It's an exciting wine. It it pops in your mouth. Yeah. And it just, it's intense. It's super flavorful. It is. And we did, we, we watched that uh, documentary. It was said it was a documentary, but it just told a bunch of, of stories that, or showed some people making old, old, old fashions and stuff. And I, I, I thought it'd be more like on the history of, of bourbons. And then they said some things that I don't think was uh, correct. Like the, you can make a bourbon. It doesn't have to be in Kentucky, but I think you can't just name it a bourbon. I think it has to be named like a bourbon whiskey or something like that. But, um, they did delve into, um, Colonel Taylor and they did delve into Elmer, Elmer Keeley. And, and, yeah. And, and then and Blayton or sorry, Blayton, Bland. Yeah. Uh, in Blanton's, which we have a yeah. couple. Mm-hmm. I think I have one bottle. Yeah. And yeah. the Wellers. Yeah. yeah. So it was neat to hear about them, but I was really hoping they go further into the history on that. But, um, they did stick with some story, you know, some stories and stuff like that. So it, 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 it wasn't bad. Key factors out and, yeah. You know, yeah. But. I think they just try to keep it interesting. Well, what I think what, what I appreciate about it is whether <clears throat> it's wine or, bourbon or whatever you're talking about in the in the industry of of utilizing terroir and creating fruit that or uh, barley rye or corn to produce a, a spirit even you're you're the point is that it's understanding the soil the climate the what those elements are going to produce and what they can grow and appreciating that and then you can understand why these different um, winemakers and distillers get into what they they love which is they're doing what they love they're creating something that they love and they have a passion for it they have Mm -hmm. a desire to make something that inspires them and Mm -hmm. to share it so just like when we talk about these different wines we're highlighting wines that we've appreciated and what we get out of it and this is just one of this is one of those wines that we've shared with our family over and over again because it 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 could be any occasion and it's like you said it it has so much intense flavor it it makes you excited makes you happy you know so mm. that's what this wine this this wine's all about that's what it does for me mm-hmm. it, it gets me yeah it gets me a little little um I don't know, a little uh, flirty happy. maybe. Yeah, a little happy and flirty. That's <laughs> what it does. It does, but it's a, it's a, it is a good wine, um, at least to my tasting. Um, uh, it's uh, I'm, yeah. And we know that you guys will all love it. So yeah, if you can get a chance to go visit the Truitthurst Wineries in Dry uh, Creek Valley, Sonoma. They also are are located in uh, Paso Robles. They have a few different uh, productions that they make, so different varietals and different locations. So look Mm -hmm. them up, the Truthers family. Yeah. So this this, uh, Burning Man Petite Syrah, we found it for about $35. Um, You should be able to find it for around that that, uh, price. 
when it comes to petite uh, 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 Syrahs, after a five to six years, depending on the winemaker, you got to be uh, careful because um, I think after, I think a maximum of uh, 10 years, usually your petite Syrahs don't don't hold up as well as your uh, cabs do. Yeah, it's not meant to age like a Cabernet. You because with varietals that don't have the potential to age a long time, they will end up losing their flavor, and it will turn downside instead of continuing to to go upside and to to gain more flavor. It will go the opposite. So that's what. The differences of a long-term aging wine versus one that's meant to be drank now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, another neat fun fact I learned too is that the spellings. So there is a petite Syrah, that's S Y R A H. What we're what we're uh, drinking right now is a petite Syrah S I R A H. A petite Syrah S Y R A H is a term. It's not an actual grape. So it's a term that the French use when they have a low yield. So when they have a low yield year, um, it's considered a petite Syrah. So it's kind of like the small, the small batch of whiskey or whatever. So that's that's what that is. So when you talk about a petite Syrah with, with a Syrh, it, it's a term. And when they brought it here, they changed the spelling to. S I R A H, so yeah. there was no confusion. Yeah, so there's no confusion. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That this so. is an actual grape varietal. Yeah, and it's not a it's not a a term used for a low yield year. So just I I I didn't know about that. I was like, why is there two different spellings S Y R A H? But when Syrah has a low yield year, it's considered a petite Syrah. Other than that, I think that's all I got on this one. Other than uh, buy this wine. It's really good. <laughs> True at Hearst. Yes, a petite Syrah. You'll be missing out and you'll be sorry. If you, you like your peppercorns it. and if you like your 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 spicy notes and your f- heavy floral aromas and this, yeah, this wine doesn't need food, but it mm. is it. It's like a great <clears throat> bottle on its own, but with food, it it's just amazing. So like you were talking about. Bigger, heavier, sophisticated meals or mm. rustic meals, mm-hmm. having meat involved, um, whether it's a steak or you could do, I don't know. Well, I think pretty much it's it's whatever cut of meat you want. Let's red meat. It really mm. holds up like a cab. Yeah. And that's because it has a higher tannic level, uh, just like a cab. Um, and also you can compare it to uh, Tanat Grape, Nebbiolo. Those are all higher and um polyphenols which make it a higher tannic wine so any of those kinds of great varietals are gonna hold up with a really nice meal with more of a protein so it's a very it can be a very elegant wine it can be a very rustic wine it just is very versatile it's a dense full-bodied petite syrah and it has lots of flavors that just come out at you with not just typical notes there it's it's a very um charismatic and characteristic personality of this one because again with the way that they made this with the different types of fusion of the oak barreling uh, french and american the duration of time that they fermented this one in and the fact that it's a 2017 
So it has a few years of age on it. The 2015 is still excellent. Um, it, it's perfect. It's just perfect right now. So, yeah. And, and so also in the beginning, when I talked about the rot, that the petite Syrah grape, um, can get rot easier. It's not from the roots. The rot is from the densely, uh, uh, from since the grapes grow really dense, that's where the rot is, is that the rot is in that dense a cluster of grapes. Um, it's not in the roots, so that's 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 why they need more of a dry... Because um, it's some moisture that ends up sticking to the skin of the grape. Yeah, and mm -hmm. it, it creates bacteria, it turns into fungi, mm -hmm. and then it... You get this it, like light yeah. fuzzy cloud over the yeah. grape. Yeah, it'll it'll create like a rot actually in the in the grapes themselves, and not like a root rot like what you would find um, for over moisture when it comes to the roots and other areas. And for so. like that's totally so a grape that would do well in that environment would be a Pinot Noir, totally opposite. Yeah. Uh, climate, and so Petite Syrah, just like Cab and all these heavier tannic grape varietals, need a more drier more heavier climates with low moisture content in the air yeah. so that you don't have to deal with the fact as a enologist and viticulturalist agriculturalist farming uh, you don't want to see those kind of conditions so you learn to grow the grapes that are going to be successful in your area mm -hmm. so you're going to plant the varietals that are going to be successful to yeah. that particular climate. So this has been uh, one of the most successful grape varietals, again, from this area, um, just like Zinfandel, Zinfandel grapes too. Just yeah. burst with flavor from this area. Yeah, Zinfandel is a big one from from the Dry Creek, mm -hmm. uh, Dry Creek uh, Valley. Yeah. They grow and, in Paso Robles too and, yeah. and Lodi and Amdor mm -hmm. and all that, but they do very well here because of the climate. Yeah. Yeah. And what was neat, another neat thing about the uh, uh, dry, I keep calling it dry, the dry Creek AVA or that, that little area, the a two by 16 mile area is that in the lower sections, there's, uh, there's quite an elevation change there. The lower elevations, they plant all their whites, higher elevations, they plant their reds. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, uh, the Dry Creek Valley. That's a neat Well, you are correct in saying it's an AVA because it yeah. became an AVA in 1983. Yeah. In 1983 mm -hmm. or 1983? 1983. 1983. In the 1880s is when they brought over the Durif and then it became the Petit Yeah, I wish I... I wish I, I wrote down who brought it over because he needs some recognition too, but I, I really apologize on that one. We're going to try to do a second uh, show for this, so maybe we can uh, bring that out then. Yeah. yeah we we'll, might we'll, we might do a live show with this if we can get someone special to uh, be on the show with us, but yeah. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So again, this was the Truett and Hurst, a Burning Man, a Petite Syrah. We tried the 2017 to 2017. Um, the two best years so far has been 2000, well, actually three best years, 2014, 2015, and 2017. 2014 was a great year for yeah. many of the California ABAs. Yeah. So those were the best ones. And I think um, it's still known as one of the top 100 wines that comes out of Sonoma Valley is the Petite yeah. uh, Syrah, a Burning Man. Mm -hmm. It's award winning. Yeah. So it's not 
for some reason only got a score of 88 but um man is it good <laughs> uh yeah in the past i don't know i think it was 2012 it got robert parker's group gave it a 95 yeah so yeah. there's different you know just different ratings uh different companies giving it what they think it deserves but this is a, a highly rated wine for, for that so yeah it's a 98 on my scale mm -hmm. i gotta give it room for improvement so yeah. i leave two points there yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah let's see if they can make it just yeah that much more just better. a little bit better that'd be hard really to cool. imagine but yeah anything's yeah. possible yeah so i i don't know that's uh that's all we got on the true at hearst wine and really appreciate those who are listening and and um this has been another episode of wine from on the vine to the road i tasted i'm brian and sitting to my left is and i'm is jasmine jasmine and we really appreciate you guys listening yeah till, till the next time guys have a good one all right uh, bye bye bye